All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. Hello friends, how you doing? Now as you may know, I work in the IT world and we're always battling security issues. There are so many people out there that are trying to get your information and do bad things like steal your identity, blackmail you, start accounts in your name. It's a crazy digital world. I do wonder if I put myself out there with this podcast. I did a search of my name the other day and it shows this podcast, my radio station, and some old TV interviews I did back in the day, plus my LinkedIn account. Now I made some changes to hide some of my public information you may want to do the same. Uh, check out uh, how to change your passwords. Uh, check out how to get your stuff off uh, searches. Uh, do stuff like that. And uh, you should have better uh, security on your social media accounts. Never, never trust texts from random numbers. Don't respond. Block them. Do a search uh, to see who that number belongs to. But never trust them. And uh, often... Do this often. Check your spam accounts to see if any accounts have been set up in your name. Uh, to do that, just go into your clutter or go into your spam file and check that out. Always, I always check mine out. Uh, if you find yourself the victim of internet crimes, report them to the FBI and the local authorities. Screenshot everything and keep shady emails. Now, you may feel stupid, but you're not alone in these situations. These people who lack moral fiber take advantage of older folk and people that are just not good at technology. They need to be charged and locked up. Are you listening to CBJRadio.com yet? The 2021 International Singer Songwriters Association Radio Station of the Year. It's a free internet radio station. Brand new shows every day. Shows range from hip-hop to rock to all independent artist shows and a Friday night request show. Oh, yeah, and don't forget about the retro Saturday night shows as well. Make sure cbjradio.com is the only internet radio station you listen to. Tell your friends about it. Today's guest is Travis Daniels. It has been way too long since I last saw and talked to Travis, so I was really excited to do this interview. As you will learn, Travis and I moved to Laramie from other towns, me in the 8th grade and him in the 10th grade. Our high school was fairly big for Wyoming, and our graduating class was around 300 people, so I didn't know Travis that well in high school. But we got to become better friends in college, and you will hear that story in the interview. Let's get to it. I was born in Florida okay. and then raised in Florida, Louisiana, Texas, and Wyoming. Do you, I mean, like, was Florida one of those, like, I was there for like six months and then I got on to Texas or Louisiana after that? Or do you have memories of Florida? Oh, no, I definitely have memories. I think it was third grade uh, that we moved. So I had, you know, zero to however old you are when you're yeah. third grade, maybe seven or eight. So, yeah. And then a couple of years in Louisiana, middle school in Texas and then high school and college in Wyoming. 
Um, yeah, I don't even remember. I remember you coming from Texas. I don't remember you coming from Louisiana or any Louisiana store or even Florida. So that's something I just learned right there. That's pretty cool. Uh, did your parents meet in Florida? How'd they meet? Let's see. Um, no, no, they were high. They went to the same high school. They were okay. from South Dakota, oh, and wow. he was a Navy pilot, and so they ended up in Florida with the Navy. Okay. And then, um, yeah, that's how I ended up being born down there in the deep south. Gotcha. Um, and so I know the answer to this question, but the people out there don't. Is it just you? Like, were you the only child of your parents? You have brothers and sisters. How many siblings you got? Yeah, um, I got a sister, Tiffany, yeah. and uh, we grew up together. But then I have several uh, step and half brothers and sisters through remarriage. So yeah. I think there's a total of uh, seven, eight, nine. I don't know, t- if you, 10 if you include all the, the steps. Wow. But uh, just one, but one full-blooded sister. Gotcha. Have you guys ever all got together in the same room? Or is your dad, was it your dad's got a couple step kids? Your mom's got a couple step kids? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, not everyone, but I think we've gotten together a couple of times with the dad, my dad's side, which would be like six or seven of us. Okay. And then, yeah, on my mom's side, it's been a long time. Most of them were a lot older, like much older. All and right. so we don't have much relationship. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's wild. We still keep in touch. I mean, I think once a year, twice a year, everybody still has a chance to connect. But it's, uh, it's pretty wild now that everybody has kids and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, my parents got divorced when I was six and I have a stepsister and older sister and a younger sister. And, uh, but I'm the only boy, which is interesting life. I grew up in with, with our age differences. It was like, I had almost my own childhood. Uh, and then I took care of my little sister a ton and I was more like another parent to her, but a cool parent to her than I was a brother. Cause we're 11 years apart especially nowadays. Like she lived with me like for a little bit when she moved back from Florida. Now she lives in Las Vegas near my parents. And I had to be like a dad. And it really was weird. Cause I was like, I didn't even have, I missed out on a big chunk of your life. And now I got to like tell you to do things like lock the door when you come home and I have cats and I'm like, don't let them out. Like there's, we butted heads a lot for being kind of close. And so I'm glad she lives in Las Vegas. My mom and stepdad live there. They retired there about 10 years ago. And um, I tell her that she's the one. When their faculty start going, she's the one that's going to be looking out for them because I'm here in Wyoming and our older sister's in Texas. So she's like, I know, but I'm, I'm hopefully she'll handle that role and get them where they need to go. Um, so growing up as a kid, what kind of activities were into? Athletics? Were you academically inclined what was your thing what were you doing were you following around your older sister a lot um let's see well we moved a lot and so yeah my sister and i were pretty close just because when you move a lot you you know you have to start all over making friends so we we were always pretty close we did have our conflict like a lot of siblings but we were definitely tight um yeah we uh we watched movies um i'd love to just go outside and just play basketball football with the neighborhood kids yeah so i think athletics was always a big part of uh, stuff growing up um always just i don't know we did a lot of like what do you call them uh um like role-playing stuff like like pretend like the russians were chasing us and stuff (laughs) we just we just be messing around this is before you know internet and all that back then but we had to be creative and we would have all these adventures and uh different like you know different war games and just 
you know, before technology was as big as it is today, we had to get pretty creative. So, uh, yeah, we were just normal kids just running around the neighborhood, getting into trouble and uh, not a lot of trouble, but a little bit of trouble. And uh, yeah, yeah I, it was. Uh, but yeah, I definitely was into playing football, basketball, soccer, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I I was fortunate enough. I always say I had a um, forest behind my house, like a, a woodsy area, but an acre was ours. And then it was an acre of you couldn't uh, build on. And then there was that the neighborhood that everybody like grew up in, like, you know, the standby means that all of those shows where it's like got the cold sack fireworks, you know, all the holidays, football, street football happened there. But then we had the woods to drop, we call the woods to drop into and let our imaginations go wild, you know, sword fights. Like we said, like the Russians are attacking and, uh, but in Oregon, like those times were limited in the winter because it rained a lot. And so that's where I like got into technology, like I had a Commodore 64, but yet, and wanted to play video games. My friends had Ataris and ColecoVision, but yet we would put them down just so we could get back outside again, because the weather was in the winter time, especially just unpredictable. And once you get wet in the rain, you're just wet always. So you, you took your spots when you could go out and hang out and stuff like that. I wasn't academically inclined as a kid because my older sister cast a big shadow. Um, she was very academically inclined. And so in my silly middle child mind, it wasn't quite yet, but I was like, I want to be different than her. I'm going to do different stuff. Um, who was more academically inclined? You or your sister growing up? Uh, I would say definitely my sister. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, I think we both uh, were smart, but she just, she cared about getting good grades and I did not. And so, uh -huh. Um, so I just generally, uh, didn't give an effort and that's just, yeah. uh, yeah. So she, you know, was definitely one of those, I don't know if she got a 4.0 or whatever, but, um, pretty, if not pretty close. And that just wasn't really a category for me to give, to give the effort, you know? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, so, I, I totally so. understand. Yeah. And I well, think our yeah education system is, I think it's tougher on boys because we are more active and we're more, not always, but generally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, um, we'd like, I know I like to be more hands-on through my learning experiences. And so I think sitting in a classroom, hearing somebody talk was just de death misery for me. Yeah. You know? So I think the classrooms where I got to do labs or something more interactive, I definitely would thrive more than the ones where I was just being talked to. Oh, yeah. So I think, um, part of it was me and part of it was just system. I think that wasn't suitable to who, who I was, but, uh, well, but I did, but I did finish, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a. Uh, one size fits all. I mean, it still probably is too. And I mean, it took later till there was labs and like college and stuff where I was like, yes, just put my hands on it. I'll get this. But a hundred people in the classroom and they're just lecturing at you. It doesn't want to go in the old noggin there. Um, and that's where like, I remember in elementary school, they kind of kept you a little bit occupied with like projects and, and bu not busy stuff, art stuff. And and so it wasn't just nonstop lectures to you all the time. Um, I don't know if they do that in, anymore. Uh, I don't have any kids in the, at all. So I don't know if that's the same way. And, uh, but yeah, I was never, I rebelled against my sister because she was yeah, the shadow, the big shadow. And she was the first rude, by the way. Her nickname was rude before it was mine uh, because of a coach. Uh, he had, she had him as a track coach. I had him as a football coach. And uh, by the time I got to football, 
he was like, oh, you're Rude's little brother. I was Rude's little brother for a long time. And then I moved to Wyoming and became Rude. But I didn't ask anybody. It just kind of built organically in about my sophomore year, 10th grade. Just, yeah. You know, Flash Rude's really hard to spit out. And if you know how to say it right, people just heard the Rude part. And they just, there he goes. And so... Uh, yeah, I always have to tell that story. My older sister reminds me, she's like, I was the original rude. And I'm like, well, I made it famous. And she's like, you're, you're right. You did make it famous. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, then, okay. We well, talked about playing basketball. Were you into the other sports? I played like soccer and wrestled and football. Well, I think, yeah, growing up, just everything, yeah. uh, that's back. I don't know. We just, uh, whatever was going on is what you did. And, uh, so we became kind of just whatever the season was yeah um but no i in high school i got a little bit more interested in tennis just because nobody was like trying out for it i'm like well gosh that doesn't seem that hard and uh, so yeah i did tennis and soccer like competitively um but then we always had all the intramurals and all the other sports for fun but um yeah those were the two that i did for you know as as in terms of team uh i guess jv varsity kind of stuff yeah. And uh, st- still enjoy it to this day. Now I live in Europe and uh, obviously soccer football over here is like, yeah. you know, a, a religion to some degree. So I, I really do enjoy still kicking it around with the guys and uh, enjoying that. That as a, as a activity. Tennis a lot harder than it looks. Oh my God. That is a tough, tough sport. Um, I made more of a fool myself. So people would watch me play tennis than I did was at, at being good at it. All right. I was never good at it. So I was there like for the spectacle of it. And then uh, I played soccer like growing up till about sixth grade. And I quit because uh, I wanted to watch Saturday morning cartoons because every soccer season ruined that. <laughs> and uh, then I wrestled. And that was there. I was back again on Saturdays wrestling and stuff. Did not enjoy that sport as much. I should have stuck with soccer a little more. Uh, I was reasonable at soccer wrestling probably got pinned more than I pinned anybody. Uh, then after a while, I was like, I'd rather ski than roll around with another sweaty dude for a little while. So, I mean, no <laughs> offense to the guys that wrestled and, and were good at it and stuff. It wasn't my sport. I was a better skier than I was at r- wrestling and stuff like that, even though I'm still a huge wrestling, pro wrestling fan, uh, but that's a different level of wrestling right there. And uh, so like, when you when you started playing i mean into these sports uh what are some of your did you were you good right off the bat did you start was like that i mean how did it play out you know well so for me i was always kind of the runt i i was if you remember like i was a little guy still only five five and a half so but in you know junior high and high school i was either the shortest kid in the class or the second to shortest from what I remember. And yeah. uh, I probably made, I made it a much bigger deal than it probably ever was. But when you're the short kid, there's just a lot of, I had a little bit of teasing and insecurities to go with that. So on athletics, you know, I wasn't like one of the stars by any means, just cause I was undersized um, in a lot of things. But, uh, but I, what I think I had was like, like a lot of um, cardiovascular, like endurance and, and heart. I just always, yeah. I would always just, I always wanted to be like going as hard as anybody else out there. And I think that was, was the coaches saw that, but yeah, so I was JV mostly. And I think tennis, I played, you know, like what I was with uh, this guy named Tyler Mitchell. I remember uh-huh. Tyler and uh, we were like number three doubles 
you know, but we had some of the best memories as number three doubles because right. nobody watches number three doubles. You're like the, uh, you know, all the points count the same, but you know, we were the bottom two in terms of, I don't know if it was talent or like self-control or a little bit of both. <laughs> and so we were like at the bottom. So we didn't have a lot of spectators except for maybe one of our moms would be there, but man, we had some great memories and some great matches and, uh, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then you can, I took that off into college and I, we play with my kids now, my wife, sometimes it's a sport you can uh, play for a long time. If you, uh, you know, try to take care of your body, it's uh, a lot of fun, but, uh, that was a hoot, but I definitely wasn't like by no means the star or anything like that, but it was, um, it was awesome. We got to travel, go, oh, go yeah. across the state, you know, as you know, in Wyoming, yeah. like, there are no local teams. You have to travel to go play. So, you know, four or five, six hour road trips just to have a two day uh, weekend with some other schools was those were just great memories that I think a lot of kids these days don't get because there's so many more. If you had a high population area. Yeah. Ty. Yeah, it was a it was a hoot. Ty and I are still bestest of friends. Uh, He's like episode two or three in the podcast. And so I don't know if he spoke about 10. I'd have to listen to it again. Yeah. People go listen to that episode. It's a good episode with Ty Mitchell. Uh, he's entertaining and such. Uh, so much oh, has yeah. changed since those first episodes. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, from what I remember, you definitely, yes, we're a shorter person, but you made up for it and by far at heart in hustle um, from when I remember playing and watching you play athletics and stuff. Um, I never thought I was a star athlete by any means. Uh, the weight room and training definitely changed that. And by the time it all worked for me, it was like by my, my senior year. And so that's when you're supposed to peak and supposed to be good. And uh, I was all state that year in football. Skiing was just a secondary sport. And so uh, the best I did was like first alternate, but um, I taught the ski team how to lift weights, right. And everything and train. Uh, Luckily we had a good coach, Rick Stonehouse, that was both a football coach and junior high and then a ski coach. And he was a really good skier. And so he made you feel good about being like another athlete. And he understood, you know, I, I wasn't doing ski camps all year long, but I was still going to give it my all and, and heart and stuff. And so I always believe that too. If you work hard on the field, like there's some people who are just gifted, they're just gifted athletes and it, it's hard to keep up and they don't have to do anything, but yet you put your heart out there. Sometimes you can get the best of them a lot of times. So it's, it's nice. Uh, yeah, it was, it was some, Fun years, athletics, tra- like traveling. Uh, I always thought about it as I'd make up and sleep. Like when I would travel so much for like skiing was the same kind of thing. It was two days of, of downhill skiing, but you traveled four or five, six hours to ski against the rest of the state. And it was a you know small group of people. Football, we would travel, but we'd come back. And skiing, you're there in hotels and you're, you know, it's a smaller team. And, uh, but yeah, like growing up in Oregon, you had cross town rivalries. You had um, the furthest you travel would be 30 minutes. And that was huge if you traveled that far. And so it was different to move here and be like, wow, we got to go to in Sheridan, Wyoming, five hours away or uh, Evanston, which is eight out. And it feels like eight. It's probably seven hours, six hours away. And so, yeah, people out there, they've never been to Wyoming. There's nothing close. There's nothing close. In Laramie, you can drive a couple hours in any direction and you'll be out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, it's still that way. It's not building up. People complain that lots of people from California and Colorado moving here. No, not they are, but 
it's still not very many people here. So, uh, and you know, you're finishing up high school and stuff. Uh, you moved to Laramie. How was that change? Actually, when did you move to Laramie from Texas? Let's see. That would have been right before my 10th grade year or sophomore year. Um, so I guess 89, I think 89. Yeah. It sounds- and, uh, yeah, it was, and that was an interesting transition. Cause I mean, Texas, you know, how has yeah. a certain reputation and I mean, we were by no means like native Texans, but, um, that's a big culture change moved to Wyoming where people are just, it's more small towny and just very different, but, uh, yeah. But the good thing about uh, Laramie is that it's a three-year high school. So, you know, I came there literally, you know, I, at the beginning of high school for everybody else, even though everybody knew each other, you know, it was also their first experience with high school. So that, um, that wasn't too bad. Um, I think we lived in West Laramie out in like this little apartment out in the, out with a dirt road right. <laughs> and uh, I, it was fond memories. And uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Right. Yeah. Got there the summer before. And I literally lived like in a KOA campground for like 10 days. Well, my mom, who was, she was trying to get a job at the junior high as a special ed teacher. Okay. And we're just like, kind of like just taking it day by day. Like, where are we going to live? I mean, it was, she, my mom was not crazy. She just takes a lot of very interesting steps in her life. So she packed up a U-Haul, both her kids, me and my sister, we had a dog and a bird. And then we drove from South Texas to Wyoming, which was like 20 some hour drive, showed up at a KOA campground with no job, no place to live, just like ambition and, and hope and a prayer. And wow. so we're like, okay. And we, but we were on board with it. We actually were like kind of excited for something new and different. And uh, I know my sister was a little bit less excited about it, but it was crazy. Yeah. We lived literally in a tent, I think for a week and a half until we wow. got a place and uh, she got a job and uh yeah, it was, it's pretty wild. Not, not many people go through those kind of things where they go to the place before they actually have it all figured out. Whereabouts in South Texas was it? So we were in, in McAllen, which is McAllen. as far south as you can go. Um, there's South Padre Island everybody's heard of. So it was about 90 minutes uh, in the, up the coast from South Padre, but on the, on the border with Mexico. So it was actually interesting to be uh, – an American yet in a minority population because oh, the yeah. population is about 90% Hispanic down there and uh, everyone's bilingual. We were not. So it was, uh-huh. it was challenging uh, to not be bilingual while we were there in middle school. And I uh, learned, learned a lot, but uh, yeah, good old McAllen, but I don't have any ambition to go back to South Texas. <laughs> we went to South Padre uh, this year, June for my girlfriend's birthday. And it was fun. I had a blast. It's so hot at the time. It was like beginning of June and it was like hot there, which is normal Texas. That makes sense. When we come back to Laramie and it's hot here, it's like June and it's like 90 degrees in Laramie. I was like, I brought the heat with me. I guess it was like, it never stopped. It felt like it was a very hot summer. At least I was in from going to Texas to here and uh, in the summer I went to Vegas. I was like, when this winter came on, I was like, that's all right. Stop sweating a little bit. It's kind of nice. But yeah, I I could see um, I moved here summer before my eighth grade year, but suburb of Portland, Oregon, and I hated Laramie. Um, it was small town to me, and I I didn't. Everybody was clickish to me. I mean, I, I'm probably getting my fair share, a fair shake to Laramie, 
Cause like in the, I was living in the seventh grade and we were getting, I was rising popularity. And next thing I know, I got to be a new kid and it sucked kind of. And I didn't feel like I was readily accepted into the community, but I don't think I gave it a chance to. So it was probably my own head. Uh, probably took till my senior high school to be like, mm, this town, not bad, not mad, you know, <laughs> and then ended up in college here and, but, but did everything I could not to go to college here and was like, it just made sense to do it, to, to go to University of Wyoming. Um, Cause yeah, I didn't care about my grades as much. Uh, probably pulled them up hugely in my, my senior year uh, with some easy classes, but that reflects in the, the grade point average. So that was good. And, uh, but yeah, I was thought, I always have to ask people to move here from other parts. Like, did you love it? Was it a culture shock? Um, and it was definitely a culture shock to me. Oh, Laramie Vice was a skit on Saturday Night Live, like the Saturday before I moved to Laramie. Well, I stopped in Boise for a few weeks, but I'm hanging out with some friends. But it was a, and they made fun of Laramie, and it was all the old West characters, like Wild Bill Hickok and stuff, and there were dirt streets and everything. And I was like, my friends were like, you're moving there. That's crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, what did my parents get me into? And my stepdad got a job at the University of Wyoming. So I knew it had to be a reasonable town, but I didn't know much about it. But yeah, I was definitely coming in with some different thoughts of the place. And so, but it sounded like it worked out better for you. Yeah. I mean, I was open to open to change and I, I liked it. Yeah. Especially. It definitely is. Sorry. I want you to meet a couple people. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, trying to remember actually Ray, Ray, I I met him cause he lived in West Lamby. Oh yeah. Met him pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, I can't remember. There's a couple other folks that, uh, hung out with us. I think in tennis started right off the bat. So I got to met like, uh, I think Devin and Ty and some other guys. And, uh, yeah. So once I made a couple friends that Brian, Brian Stevens, Oh yeah. Uh, made it, you know, having friends, this makes the experience way, way more tolerable. Cause yeah. you're right. Laramie's an interesting place. <laughs> yeah. I, I developed friends that, that weren't like, the jocks weren't the, uh, I, I hate to say the oddballs, but because they're more accepting of me. And I, like, it was cool to hang out with them. And they like computer games and movies and TV and stuff. And that's what I like. And uh, one of my good friends in high school is a bass player. And so I got into like listening to like, you know, crappy high school bands, like, uh, uh, and, you know, <laughs> playing really hard, but three strings and everything like that. And so I had it, I, I, but I still love playing sports. So I'd go do that. And then I disappear into my other friends network and come back and still play football and all that and everything. And then it was, you know, time to go to college. And that was always a, a thing with my parents. They're like, you're going to go to college. You're going to go to college. And my parents are divorced. And they were like, yo, my dad was going to pay half. Mom was going to pay half. And I tried to get recruited. I got recruited by a couple of small schools, play football, but every coach was like, I thought you were taller. See, everyone has height things. And uh, I was just like, uh, okay, I'm not grown anymore. Like I kind of figured it out about the same size as my dad was same height. Uh, but I have these two tall uncles and I was like, I wanted their height. And it just never worked out that way. And yep. so, um, it, you know, in, in Wyoming, you just had to have a Wyoming uh, diploma and you can go to the University of Wyoming. So got in and went to University of Wyoming, but it wasn't my first choice, but I love it. They pay my, they sign my checks, go to football games, I'm alumni, I like 
things changed. I wasn't even that great of a University of Wyoming fan when I started at the University of Wyoming. Like I'd still wear my Oregon Duck stuff. I was definitely cheering for different teams. Then you spend enough time on the sidelines shooting video, you become a fan of the sport and everything. So yep. was University of Wyoming your first choice? Or did you want to did you look all rare? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't look at all. I just. Yeah. I wasn't even sure I was gonna uh, go to UW. I did. I considered uh, the Marine Corps for a little all bit, right. and then, um, and then I thought, you know, all my. It really. I just at the time I was a bit of a follower. I just went to where all my friend, all my friends went to UW. Like I think a few people went other places, but anybody I was close to was going to Wyoming. I'm like, well, then I'll go. So I applied, took the, the uh, all the exams you have to yeah. take, and so forth. And it was kind of a no brainer once I knew I wasn't gonna go do something else like the Marines. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty easy choice for me to, uh, to do that. And then my mom was so supportive and she kicked me out of the house. She's like, in a good way. She's like, you should live in the dorms. Like she wanted me to experience, you know, dorm life and she was super supportive. So it, it made it pretty, pretty easy transition for me. Yeah. My parents were the same way. I mean, they were like, you're not going to live at home and go to college. I did it like maybe one semester, but that was later on. But I mean, with the intent of leaving again, it was just the housing situation wasn't working at the time. But yeah, they're like, you're going to live in dorms and you're going to experience life. And then, then it turns out I just like, hang out with other Laramie kids. I didn't really expand no. my horizons too much. Um, you know, I tried and tried and there and there were different things. Join fraternity. Uh, there are just different ways I tried. But and I met a lot of people not from Laramie through my degree, which was good. Uh, the broadcasting track and I, some of them are still, you know, lifelong friends and everything. I mean, that's what's college for, but now that we have all these anemones on, on campus, like I'm always like, Oh, we, sh I wish we would have had that building or this thing when we were in college or, Oh, they don't know how like caveman-ish we lived during our college years. And I was like, we're so lucky. <laughs> And, but yeah, that's just me working on campus and seeing the big changes, which should come with a university and such. And, uh, but, uh, so what was your, you know, experience like your freshman year of college? Well, um, let's just say that I, I didn't take my studies very seriously. Uh, I was, I, you know, I was 17 when I started, I was young for our graduating class. I was one of the youngest as well. So I, you know, we started in late August and I was still 17 and I was every bit of, of a 14 year old, probably emotionally <laughs> and mentally. So, yeah, I, it was fun, but I was I didn't pursue. Uh, I really did it because it was the thing to do, not because I had any specific goals or ambitions with looking back. I kind of, uh, yeah, have a little bit of regret. But uh, yeah, so I mostly just hung out with friends and um, didn't you know, didn't do very good in school. My freshman year, let's just say I had two freshman years. Okay. Cause of uh, academic uh, lack, lack of academic progress, because I, I had freedom for the first time in my life, like total freedom. And, um, uh, it wasn't hard to get, um, you know, um, alcohol and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah so we just got, we just got oh, sidetracked yeah. and, um, yeah, it was too bad. I mean, I, I did have some positive experiences with, um, you know, meeting new people and, and definitely some of the, my like Spanish class and some other things where I, you know, got to meet some people from not just other, uh, cities in Wyoming, but across the world, you know, there's, oh, yeah. so there are an international flavor on campus, which was cool. Um, but yeah, a freshman year was not, I don't know. It was just okay because I, I just was so immature and I really wasn't doing well academically. And I just was like scrambling just to like survive 
the school the school year because I was so sidetracked with just social stuff. Um, so I didn't didn't have a lot of <laughs> yeah I a lot know. of success, but it was fun. You know, it was fun, and I, I did obviously get to um, do the dorm life and got to meet a lot of people there and uh, go to football games and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, looking back, I would have done some things differently. <laughs> I agree with everything you said, and I point the finger at myself. Uh, that was me in a nutshell, too. Uh, I, that, that freedom thing. And also, like, I had athletics in my life so much, and they were so part of my life, and they weren't anymore. And I was like, what am I going to do with this time? Oh, yeah, learn how to drink. Not make my mind better. Not study more. I, I learned how to drink when I was in Australia. I had a fake ID. And, yeah, that kind of – I. I Looking back, I wish I would have been a little more responsible with my time management and knowing that, you know, you probably don't know because you're in it, that you'll have so many years of your life that you can drink. You just don't have to fit it into the first, you know, time you're free and away from your parents and in college. You don't have to fit it all in like one year, two years. You have so many years ahead of you to get that done. So I probably would have backed up off that, uh, but definitely worked on my mind more. Uh, it was definitely a switch from building your body and, and everything and being stronger and faster than, okay, now I got to be smarter. Nobody cares that you played high school football anymore. It's what you do in the classroom. So that was a yep. tough pill to swallow. And it probably took a long time to get it done and are identifying as that, that person as a, you know, I'm the total jock. Now, now I'm just another student, like everybody else. This is interesting to go, uh, transition to go through. And I, I, I used my time unwisely. But I had a blast. I had a great time uh, my freshman year. I definitely had two of them. Um, and I even lived in the dorms my, my second year of college, or the second freshman year. Uh, but that one was all by myself and everything. And so that was cool. But I didn't meet anybody because I lived right by the stairs. And so I just propped the door open and go in and out that way. And yeah, I was like, I don't know who lived on my floor. I remember... One of the guys I've interviewed on my podcast earlier, Tori Mel, and he lived on the second store, second floor Mac, um, but on the other hallway, but same kind of room I had. And he would blast 90210, like with like DJ speakers, like is loud. I just opened up my door and watched TV. I would watch 90210 while he would just blast it and everything we talked about in his podcast. But I was like, and that's how I met him. And then he became a broadcasting major later, but he was a guy from like LA that came to Laramie. And I was like, that must've been a mind bending situation to end up in Laramie. And so his story is good to hear about that and everything. Um, there was an interesting thing our freshman year. Cause I think, and I usually ask this question later, but it's kind of hard to pass over right now. That's when we probably truly met. I mean, we went to high school together and we probably knew of each other, but I think that's when we truly became like friends. It was our freshman year of college. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause uh, we lived on the same building, but not on the same. I don't even know if it was the same floor or not, but, and we both had like uncomfortable, awkward, unpleasant roommate situations. Yeah. There were those random, the roll of the dice. I'm like, man, yeah. it's just not, it's not working out. It's super uncomfortable. Um, and you had, I don't know if yours was as bad. And we, I think we worked it out. We're like, Hey, let's just, let's just switch, switch rooms. And so eventually, I think we we just worked it out. So we switched rooms and traded roommates. I and, think uh, it was a, a win win. Your roommate wanted to go be a roommate with somebody else, and you were like, "I got a free spot," and I was like, "I'm in." 
And my room, I mean, it wasn't awkward with my roommate, but he was German and he was like 21 years old. So there was definitely a maturity level difference and everything. And so I was like, it was much better that we became dorm roommates than uh, the people we were with because yeah, they were, they belonged with other folks. They could be better friends with other people. And yeah, we ended up playing like video games all the time and uh, table tennis, ping pong downstairs. Um, one of my, I used to, I was thinking about this when I was going to do this interview, you and Jeremy Wheatley, we're still good friends, talked about the Greek mind live. And you, I recorded you guys on my like, like tape player in the room and you guys <laughs> did a show together. It was pretty funny. Just, a, the, I mean, uh, not the hijinks, but the interesting things that we come up with in our rooms and sitting out and hanging out and stuff. And I was talking to my girlfriend about it. And I was very into like recording parts of songs, but in a, on a tape, but so, like just pulling lyrics and adding them together. And like, I remember I did it and then it, like, I just used your Greek mind live part and we'd record over the whole interview. Cause it was, it went South pretty fast when you guys started <laughs> oh talking. Cause it was a class that was offered. I think you might've taken it. I don't know. But I remember it was offered on campus. And so we thought that was a very interesting name for a class. And we would come over and visit. And so, yeah, that was that was one of my more interesting stories I remember from from the dorm days. Uh, you got any ones? Oh, <laughs> uh, we were we were clowns. Um, I don't know. I definitely um, I killed a lot of goldfish, not on purpose. <laughs> no, so, no. But we. Uh, at first and then yeah. i think at some point then we became like experimental and so for yeah. some reason we, we and then we would after they had lost their poor lives we'd set them on the windowsill in the cold and they would stay yeah. there all winter bizarre i don't know what we why we thought that was funny or cool oh. but uh yeah so and then wheatley of all people we decided we wanted to try to see if we could electrocute a garbage. Oh, yeah. and so we uh oh, so yeah. we have the the fishbowl and uh, and then we, we need we knew we needed a conductor. So I think we got a coat hanger and they were like, wait, we can't like uh, we can't hold on to this and stick it in the water and the outlet at the same time without hurting ourselves. So he had two rubber uh, racket balls yeah. to squeeze the, the together and he sticks one end in the fishbowl or maybe it was me. I don't know which one of it was and the other into the outlet of the wall. And we blew the power for a quarter of the building, uh, <laughs> McIntyre Hall. Um, and the fish lived, by the way, on that one. He didn't. It didn't hurt the fish. But uh, I, we, we we did some dumb stuff. Some yeah. dumb stuff. Yeah. I remember that, but you made the details more clear in my mind on that one. <laughs> and I forgot about putting the goldfish on the, the windowsill. Um, yeah, because we'd have jumpers. We'd come back from like a basketball game, and like one a goldfish would just jump out of its bowl and be on the floor. And I was like, Are we that bad? Are we that bad of people to that our fish just want to? just commit suicide that's, that's rough. what it was yeah they, they didn't want to be around us <laughs> um pretty crazy i remember one night uh i definitely was after a basketball game and we came back to the room and sober this is a sober story and flipped one of us flipped up the basketball in a nerf hoop with our foot and so it became a night of how many shots or where you can make it by just using your foot to like throw the ball into the hoop. So we're jumping around <laughs> like crazy. And it's like creeping into like after midnight, 
easily. And we're jumping out, and we get a knock on the door. Hey, would you guys quit jumping? I'm sure they expect to see some like drunk wrestling or something. Like, why are you guys jumping around? You're loud. We got noise complaint from downstairs. And we're like, oh yeah, I guess they probably don't like our great basketball shots with our feet at one in the morning. But we do. This is we're like making some crazy ass shots. And so like, I remember that. That was like one story that stuck out because I was like sober. I would say people, this was a sober thing that happened in the room not a crazy drunken moment in the end of the night but it was a sober moment in the room and dropped probably because we were just at a basketball game and we're like oh let's shoot hoop in the room and bullshit and next thing we know yeah we're trying to make those kind of shots it was it was interesting yeah easily entertained back then oh yeah oh yeah and i'm glad wait did you bring the bunk bed in i don't remember where that oh. came from yeah right. but it was handy yeah, yeah, that we had a bunk bed because it gave us more space. And I don't know about you. That's when I st- I watched 90210, 90210 started in college. And I watched it all the way through. And um, I remember picking up on a soap opera in college, which was General Hospital. And I always mean I don't watch anymore. And I always make the joke that I flip by it and go, yep, about three days have passed on that soap opera since I stopped watching in the mid-90s and everything. And, uh, but it was interesting, like, to watch and and get into things because i was so consumed by athletics that wow the world out there was coming up with pop culture and so i started getting to it in college and such and everything so what did you have a major right off the bat or did you choose that later so no i started off with a declared a geography major uh, right off the bat and then um yeah but i switched to communications i don't know maybe year two or three but um, didn't really, uh, I realized that the college level courses in geography were like not as interesting as I thought they were going to be. And so, uh, plus I didn't see what, I wasn't going to be a teacher, I don't think. So I didn't know, I was like, what am I going to do with the geography degree? So yeah, yeah switched it up. It was interesting because I remember that kind of switch out of a friend out in Oregon that I, went, I grew up with. And he like switched from communications to geography almost like right at the same time that you did. And I was like, well, the world is balanced. Just got to balance that out. The world is balanced. And now he works like he sells real estate, but worked at Glacier National Park for a long time. So he went out there and actually put it to work. But yeah, it's uh, it's hard not to go, okay, what am I going to do with this degree and everything? And yeah, I didn't declare broadcasting until uh, maybe second semester. And I had no clue, but my stepdad was slowly grooming me to be in the major and once i like interned for him it's all good and that's what i want to do and turns out doing podcasts and radio shows kind of pans out when i was always the guy behind the scenes and everything so but i have an idea how to run audio and video now so it's it was good but yet i'm kind of jealous of the people that stepped into a real career because i went out and put out a hundred thousand resumes it felt like and I ended up working in New York at a TV station uh, by chance because my dad, not the broadcasting guy, my dad who lives out in Oregon, got my resume across the desk of somebody in a corporate office. The next thing I know, it worked out. Uh, so you, you're going to school in Laramie, uh, just declared geography major. Um, uh, were you working throughout? 
this time too? Did you start working in high school or did you start working in college? Let's see. I, I know in high school I did just different odd jobs. I don't think anything too steady. I think we would sell uh, concessions at like basketball and football oh, yeah. games. Um, but yeah, I, I did some summer work, obviously out in Laramie, uh, worked with the forest service doing, uh, trail maintenance and things like that, which is really, really good experience. Um, and then once in college, uh, just, there was a group of group of Laramie guys that all worked down at a Mexican restaurant down on I 80 cafe Olay. Oh yeah. And, uh, which I, which is, I heard burned to the ground, but, uh, it's not there anymore. But, uh, but yeah, I started bussing tables and just worked my way up from bus boy to the waiter. And, um, yeah, it was actually pretty decent money, uh, waiting tables. Now, I remember you would go out to your dad's house and work, or stay with him and work with him. Was it making labels? Yeah, it's exactly right. Okay. During the summers. Yeah. yeah I think, summers. uh, yeah. Summer jobs like June, July, August or whatever would go to the factory that he worked at and, uh, that's exactly it. Adhesive coated labels. It's um, pr surprisingly technical, actually, in terms yeah. of the design. I was just uh, handling all the, the heavy equipment and just moving it around. But uh, there was definitely some uh, technical side of it, graphic design type stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was all right. I learned that I do not want to live in the Midwest by uh, living in <laughs> Indiana for the summers. I have uh, no interest in any part of the country over there yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. And then, uh, so kind of fast forward through college, cause I think you have a, a life change that happened later that I would need, definitely need to get into. So graduate with a communications degree, somewhere around 99 or before that, was that right? Uh, I, I walked in uh, Christmas or December of okay. 98. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then what off was your plan semester. man, so I had gone through a lot of experiences, uh, personally. Um, and ended up, let's see, uh, at this point in time, I was, uh, engaged to, uh, a girl, Dina, and this would have been in 98. And, uh, yeah, I didn't actually have a specific plan other because I was thinking, uh, of maybe staying in Laramie, maybe go to Denver. A lot of people do that. Didn't have a plan, but we'd spend a lot of time uh, getting counsel from different mentors and, uh, just spend a lot of time in prayer. Cause I, uh, right. a man of faith and trying to figure out what, what to do. And, and so I ended up moving down to Texas right out of college. Uh, well, not right out, but about six months after All right. graduation, moved down to uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and also didn't have a job, just knew I needed to uh, get out of Laramie and go somewhere else in the world. And, uh, and then there was a whole bunch of families down there that were uh, very supportive. They were part of a, a church down there. Right. So we just plugged in to this uh, Christian church in Texas and stayed with a, uh, he was an alumni from Wyoming, uh, a former, he had a, he was a lawyer, businessman, oh. and uh, stayed with him for a few weeks while we got on our feet. And there was a Texas job market was pretty, pretty easy to get hired. And so, yeah, started working at a, uh, it was a job agency. So like as a temp job coordinator, working with okay. a lot of like, um, I would say like first generation immigrants and uh, ex-felons who just needed a lot of help getting work. So it's oh. in some ways it's almost like charity work, but you were giving people real jobs and it was very satisfying. Good. So, oh, I lost my there a bit. Um, so did you get, did you get, you put your communications degree to work, I guess that you were, uh, did you learn any of those skills to be like, okay, this will help me out with these folks. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to like shoot down my bachelor's, but oh, it, okay. it didn't really necessarily, 
I could anybody could have got the job with with or without a bachelor's I degree. Um, I think maybe just because I was older and more mature and had and definitely had um, obviously read a lot about just people, organizational human communication. I know there was value in it. Um, okay. But no, I think what got me the job was that I spoke. I took two and a half years of Spanish. It was, it was because I could speak a little bit of Spanish and uh, that really pushed it over the edge. Um, to get me hired um, that first spot, which was so learn, learn a language. If you don't know more than English, you got to learn another language. It'll, it'll change your world. It, it really help you. I don't know. I, I understand Spanish actually a whole lot more than my girlfriend who is half Mexican. Which is in, <laughs> she works in the funeral business. And I was just like, so sometimes everybody would come up to her and like speak Spanish towards her. And she'd be like, uh, and I'll be like, they said this. I translate it a whole lot better than I can like regurgitate it. I understand it a whole lot. Uh, probably, yeah, many years of Spanish. But then uh, I went to like Mexico for the first time, like Tijuana, and went. They aren't speaking Spanish. They're speaking some sort of different slang, which is like proper Queen's English versus American. And so there's a lot of different. Um, slang words and usage like it, it was different but i understood it while i was there so i definitely need to probably get back and learn it i'm sure there's many different ways to learn it these days but that's probably the one i'm most familiar with but i agree we should all learn more languages because once you can learn one you probably could lead to other languages as well because your brain starts working that way but also like four years of college spanish i mean i, only had, I think i had two or one one year two years because you had to take two it's not in my brain as much. It's better than it was easier being around people and learning a little more that way. So down in Texas, you're working in that this uh, hiring agency. Um, you're engaged to no. Story. So I I did get married in Laramie or uh, in, okay. in Wyoming, uh, Western Wyoming before we moved to Texas. So okay, got married to Dina Hacklin, and uh, second best decision I ever made. <laughs> And right. so it was awesome. And yeah, so she came down. We started a life down here. And uh, sorry, did, did you lose my audio? I still got it. It just got a little more hollow. Did you knock your USB out of it? <laughs> How about now? Perfect. Yeah. Technical stuff happens. It's all right on this show. It, it um, does. It's part of life. Yeah. So you're, she, you guys moved down to Texas. You're working there. Did she get a job? Did she get a job down there too, or were you guys about to start a family? No, no, we uh, we both started working uh, outside uh, down. I I can't even remember what was her first one. I think she did. She worked for a florist for a while. She worked with uh, an alternative school with like troubled kids that were oh, wow. getting into trouble. Um, so did some. She worked with a nonprofit, like doing doing like. A, scholarship type stuff so she did a lot of really really interesting stuff while she was down there and then um yeah and then we didn't have any kids until like much later i think um, uh five or six years later after we moved there so we just both did the professional life to, what do they call it dink d double income no kids and we we're just trying to figure out life yeah. and um grow up and try to just you know people can you can finish college and you don't have to actually be an adult yet so <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's why I have a divorce. Because, um, <laughs> uh, like, on the same time you met uh, your wife, uh, I met my ex-wife, and she was from England, and 
we moved to New York um, and did the double income thing. And um, about three years in, we, I, we were just really opposite people. And, and so we went through some issues and uh, I was getting burned out for my TV job because working in the news in New York is like crazy people. I didn't even know how to put it lightly. Just crazy, crazy stories you follow. And I was really good at shooting sports. So I, next thing I know, I'm shooting news, which really was just odd sometimes. And I, sometimes I did great stories that were fun and interesting, but sometimes I followed a murderer sometimes an arsonist i was there for 9-11 and uh was like this is burning me up it's turning me into a hard person and, and that's not who i am and a job came open to the university of wyoming i thought it would be a good opportunity for us and she thought differently and that kind of led to the demise that was the final straw of things um but yeah i, I would definitely wasn't mature enough to be married then i don't think um I enjoyed my time in New York. I made some great friends. I got to do some cool stuff, but TV news burned me out. And now I work in education for the last 18 years and some sort of IT for, you know, spot. So I feel good that I'm part of the process uh, of education and not waking up going, what crazy story am I going to cover today? This is, this is not fun. This is not what I thought I was going to be doing with my broadcasting degree. And I thought it was hot shit leaving Wyoming. I was probably one of the better videographers in the state. And I didn't want to live in Denver and I didn't, I wasn't working in Wyoming because I was better than all those people. I got to New York and I was average at best. We had guys that, and gals that were winning uh, daytime Emmys for their, their video pieces. They were just so talented and so good. I've learned from them, but I wasn't getting those stories. You got to put in the time for that. And I wasn't really ready to wait that one out. So I came back about three years later, but then okay, I, I, I'm not sure if this was, if it's true, but like right around after 9-11, did you join up in the service? Was that, was that accurate? No, uh, oh, a okay. lot of people did. It was a, definitely a, a chance for people to really show patriotism, but not, that wasn't it for me. I, I was, you know, civilian for, uh, from 99 till 2008. So I, I was still in North Texas, Fort Worth doing, doing different, uh, careers or in okay. different jobs and so like was it just unfulfilled in those jobs you're know, like i i think the service is what i want to be i always thought about it when i was wanted to be a marine right out of high school i mean was it always just sitting in your mind over time no no it was not on oh. my mind at all because honestly uh i did my dad left my mom and dad split up when i was really small like two three or i don't even know how old but pretty young so i i had a little bit of resentment towards my dad and the military, because as in my uh, child age, I, I blamed the military for him being gone all the time. And the reason why my parents split up, which, you know, it's not, you know, yeah. they, they split up because of, because they, they had some problems that they didn't, yeah. you know, couldn't, weren't able to work through. Uh, but at the, you know, so I, I resented the idea of the military, you know, as like a, if someone who wants to have a family, it's not a good idea. Um, so no, I did, I, I worked at Foot Locker, foot action, a few, some shoe stores, did some retail cell phones. I did so many different things. Mm. And, um, and honestly, I ended up joining the military really out of, uh, desperation. Cause I, I didn't have stability in my life and I didn't have medical insurance. And, uh, uh this yeah. was in the early to mid to late two thousands. And it was, uh, medical insurance is expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so 
I just, uh, and if you're married, uh, your spouse, they like some stability. It's a good thing to have. And so somebody talked me into possibly becoming an officer in the military. And I was like, thought that was a really good idea. And, uh, but I, uh, I just lost all my light. So. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, so, but I might have skipped over it, but did you have kids already by then? When, when you were like, all right, I'm going to sign up or was that? Yeah. They- yeah. I had it. My daughter was born in 05 and then we were pregnant with my second. So that's probably what prompted me to join. It was really more of a financial instability move to, uh, to join the military at a time when, um, you know, I was 30, uh, 33 years old and, uh, and I ended enlisted. It was a pretty crazy story because most people enlist at age 18, 19, yeah, 20. Yeah. And I, and I enlisted, you know, at 30, by the time I joined, I was 34, which is a very unusual, uh, path. Yeah. For most, but, uh, but I just, I really just was looking for some stability and some change in my life and, uh, said, Hey, let's do this. And uh, my wife was on board. So I said, all right, we're going to give it a shot. And, uh, <laughs> wow. So you go crazy. As an officer, but do you have to do like a uh, basic training and all that too? No, I, so I did not go as an officer. I was oh. not because of my age and my delay. Oh. Um, the, the officers uh, at the age of 29, they don't accept officers anymore if you're over than that because whatever, the, unless you're, I think, a, a, a lawyer, a doctor, or a chaplain. Right. And I wasn't any of those. No, so I enlisted just like somebody. So I went to boot camp with 18 year olds ah. who don't even know, probably don't even have a driver's license. And, and like, so I was definitely like, it was a weird thing having a, you know, college degree, but we, it doesn't matter. We were all the same and, um, you know, equalized. So it was very humbling. And yeah. I think my pride, my pride took a hit, which is a good thing. And just say, Hey, I'm just another person made some mistakes. Um, and I used the military honestly as a chance to have a fresh start in life and, um, and, and, and they paid for honest the, all the medical stuff for my uh, my second child being born, and um, my I had you know medical stuff. My wife had medical stuff. They paid for all that. So I really I did it more as a stability move, and um, it's really paid off. So it's Navy, right? Is that right? Yep. US I'm Navy. in the Navy. What's your thirteen years? All that? Um, so I'm a Chief Petty Officer Sonar Technician. So um, so in the in the pay grade, I would be E seven. Okay. Um, and yeah, been in 13 years and, uh, yeah, pretty wild. So I'll be up for E8 in a couple more. I think I have one more year before I even get looked at for that, but it's, um, it's pretty wild. So I, I did look at the officer route. There's a way to convert from enlisted to officer after I believe, uh, eight years, but I just, the longer I was enlisted and growing in the leadership development, I thought, you know, I just, I'm going to stay this path. I think I have more influence over over the junior guys, all these people right. who maybe didn't have a good home life and things like that. And we're officers, they have influence, but they're more systemic and more just leadership directive where when you're a senior enlisted, you just really get to dig into people's personal life and really be, be basically be a parent uh-huh. to all these, these, these younger sailors. So it's so pretty, have, pretty wild. Do you have to go, obviously you probably got to go through some schooling to work on radar equipment. I mean, so yeah oh yeah i think it was about a year about a year's worth of schooling um very technical honestly in college you know as you and i know like it's all self-motivated you you have to do the work nobody's going to do it for you but in the navy that you know they they can't have any attrition so they will like they they really 
spoon feeds you, I would say oh, <laughs> it wasn't right. to me super challenging. Like there were some challenging parts to it, but um, you know, you have to really suck at life to fail. And so you just, you know, you just keep, keep going through it. And yeah, I, I went from being more of a uh, social communications person to more, a bunch of more technical, oh, yeah. technical stuff. Uh, but it's, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And then there's a whole intelligence side of it. When the military talks about intelligence, though, they're just talking about like secrets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny they use that term. But uh, yeah, but intel is just, you know, spies and secret mm -hmm. stuff. But uh, yeah, so it's very, very interesting. Um, so it's the Navy. So you're all around the world. Like, where have you been stationed? So, um, well, really just uh san diego two tours in san diego uh and one tour in uh, virginia beach and then now i'm in uh southern spain i just got here about a year ago in uh andalusia spain um for another tour and so when you get... sorry go, go ahead, ahead. Oh, I, was I was gonna say but i spent some time in pearl harbor um uh, yokosuka japan and uh, everett washington as well but those oh. were more like just for a week or two at a time so when you get like, do you get like physically stationed? Uh, you bring the whole family and everything, or depending yeah, if on it's long, yeah, if it's longer than six months, I can bring the family, which they're up for. It. So yeah, they're with me here in Spain and um, doing the whole experience with me. Although I'm I'm going to be gone a lot. I'm on a ship, and so the yeah. sh when ships. Excuse me, when you're on the ship, you got to be gone um, quite a bit. So they they're all learning Spanish. Well, my wife is fluent and has oh, been okay. since um, Laramie. She uh, she actually majored in Spanish. She had a double major and uh, had spent a year in Costa Rica. So she's fluent. But but kids, they're learning. They're getting there. My older is getting there. My son is he's 12 and he's he's coming along. But you, you have to practice it. You know, we live, you know, kind of by ourselves. We don't have like neighbors or anything. And then they go and they hang out with other American kids. So you really have to force yourself to get into the culture to learn it, which we're we're doing little by little. Um, yeah. but, uh, and my, my Spanish is coming back. I haven't had to use it for a while, but, um, it's, it's coming back, which is, it's kind of fun. So uh, Spanish yeah. over here is very different than in, in Mexico. And then America, there's a very different, there's like a lisp over here. Okay. They, they speak with a lisp. I gotcha. Spania. I yeah. yeah. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, and so you get you, have you got it? You've only been there about six months, you said? Was that right? Um, it's about nine months now. Nine yeah. months. Have you had a chance to do much exploring around Spain? Um, you know, with the COVID experience, oh, the yeah. world is just not what it was when, you know, as you know. Yeah. Um, but it has, some things have relaxed. And so, yeah, we've we've mostly just checked out southern Spain, um, you know, a couple arrows from here, um, which is very beautiful. Um, but then my... My last tour, we got a chance to go to Norway, Iceland, oh, and Denmark. Cool. Not Denmark, Germany. Um, so, yeah, a few places. But with the family, we just only hitting up southern Spain, which is plenty to see and do. Well, speaking of COVID, it was all in, hey, you guys probably went back in the States. Is that right? Yeah, we were in San Diego back in the uh, spring of last year. Yeah. So did, did you guys have to uh, do some homeschooling of sorts? Was it... A crowded household like a lot of other parents went through um well it's funny you say that but we've we've uh, done homeschool from the very beginning so oh. it was almost no change for us okay. uh, being a military family it is gives us so much flexibility 
So, you know, my wife has really been doing the, all the schooling from the very beginning. So there wasn't a huge change for us other than all the neighbor kids were home as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The, 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 all the kids are like, we want to go play. Um, school. But yeah. You know the drill. But yeah. That all definitely right. uh, affected us, but not like it did most people. Yeah. The horror stories I heard people. And it was like, oh, can't wait for my kid to go back to school or nope, my wife handled all that, you know, and, and stuff like that. I, I had been working with Zoom since it really first came out. Uh, I was working in our outreach school and then they got rid of the outreach school and put me in IT. And so I had this huge background in, in video conferencing from when we used to have just machines that did it to now you can do it over the internet and such. And uh, so I, I kind of excelled during that time period. I didn't go, well, I went home for like two months and then we were like, we got a bunch of money to uh, CARES funding to upgrade all our technology. And so I went back on campus, which there was nobody there. So that was easy to do. And we built classrooms and got everything ready, you know, for people to learn at a distance. And uh, it was weird walking around campus on like a Wednesday afternoon and you see one person and it's like typical, you know what it was like to be on the campus here at three o'clock on a Wednesday. I mean, it was crowded people. And it really I mean, hasn't truly recovered the amount of people I see on campus. I think there's still hybrid stuff going on, even though Wyoming's full boat open and everything. Uh, we do have to wear masks while we're inside buildings. Um, my, I'm out in office, so I just shut my door and pop my mask off. But I, yeah, I did a lot of life with this, looking at a person, uh, Zoom, but I was ready for it. I understood how it was gonna work and everything. And uh, it was, and people ask me questions like, how do you do this or what that, or you use Zoom? And I'm like, very familiar, very familiar. And it was the only time that I wanted to FaceTime, or not FaceTime, but Zoom with my family. Like they had all kind of learned the technology and they're like, can we do that? And I'm like, this is what I do for a living. I'm not really wanting to uh, uh, put it on any random night. And so now we, we get together via zoom every once in a while to catch up and stuff especially birthdays holidays and stuff like that since we all live over the place um so i accept it more if the world's this place but i really wanted to when i started this podcast was to travel around the united states and see my friends that live all over the place and do this face to face and pandemic hit the only interview that's face to face my first one and the rest are, are via zoom so it helped out my expand my idea um and it, Zoom handles all the audio and I get to talk with you in, in Spain uh, it, and people on the East Coast, West Coast. Uh, the, the true magic will, if I've talked to anybody in Australia, that'll be a true, like how I get them on the show and everything. Um, so usually I ask the last question of how we met, but um, I already did. And so, <laughs> yeah, we got through it. We were, we were college roommates, everybody. I was really excited that you did this interview because we hadn't really talked I mean, I'd want, I'm, since we left Laramie and then, you know, our generation didn't have Facebook till way later in life. So we kind of went and lived our lives. And, uh, and then, so I'm like, yes, I can connect with on Facebook and I see that you joined the military and have a very successful life and kids and everything. So that was pretty awesome to see that once we like both left Laramie, we're like, good luck out there, friend, you know, like, uh, you know, what's going to happen. So. I want to thank you for uh, being on the show. Oh, no, I really appreciate the invite. I do. I do keep up with you uh, remotely and uh, 
I was glad to uh, reconnect. Been a very long time. Too long. Too long. Definitely too long. And so good luck there in Spain when you ever get back uh, stateside. Uh, feel free to visit Laramie anytime. I'm generally here. So yeah, I'd love to see you again. Oh, no, we'll hit Laramie for sure at some point. All right. Thank you for being on the show. All right. Ciao. Arrivederci. I want to thank Travis for being on the show. One thing I forgot to talk to him about was his nickname and if he still had it. It was Red while we were in college. I don't recall how he got his nickname for sure. I know we've had discussions about it back then, but you know, a lot of time has passed. On our dorm room doors, we had two signs that we found in magazines. His was Simply Red and mine was Ravishing Rude. Now, folks, there are some stories we left out of the podcast from our college years, and some of you may have been there for those stories. If there's ever a movie about my life, those stories will make the movie. <laughs> On to the next episode. All my friends, all my friends. All my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends. All my friends. All my friends with Justin Flaskerud. <laughs>